0: to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer a heretic. I'm your host, Matthew J. DiStefano, and for the next hour, I'll be your Sherpa to nowhere in particular. Nowhere in particular. What's happening, everyone? Thank you for joining me on another episode of Apostates Anonymous. And how do you all like the new logo? I hope you like it. If you don't, go fuck yourself. Get fucked. Just kidding. Just playing. Anyway, excited for another show today. We have uh, a good one. I think. I think we have a good one. We're going to call someone that I got to know just recently. Uh, talk about his experience with a Christian camp, gross. We're going to talk to Yosef Schum, someone I know on Facebook and, uh, I, you know, it's not one of the normal calls. Normally I call someone who I've known for a little bit. This time he asked, uh, asked me on Facebook to jump on and I was like, yeah, let's do it. So, uh, excited to do that. Crazy stuff going on in the world. Uh, Trump administration's trying to steal the election. Rudy Giuliani is is melting in front of us, literally. (laughs) Jesus Christ, what was going on with that guy? Oh my Lord, I've never seen someone sweat so much. (laughs) Sweating out black shit off his head. Um, Anyway, before we get into the, the meat of the show, we got a little appetizer. A uh, little appetizer, which is always, if you want to support my work, if you want to support this show and all the content that I create, please go to patreon.com slash Gonna link in the show notes. You can give as little as $1 a month. That will unlock my lectionary blog, which is going to be an ebook very shortly. You're going to unlock videos. And other cool shit. Plus, you're going to support my work. And I'm helping you beautiful people. I'm your Sherpa. To nowhere. (laughs) To to nowhere. I'm going to get your ass lost. So, help me do that. Patreon.com slash MJ Distefano. Also, I don't know if I told you all. But I've announced it on social media and all that stuff. I am back. I'm backity back, back, back. On Patheos. Which is wonderful. I took a year and a half hiatus. If I said this last episode, I'm fucking sorry, but I took a year and a half hiatus, jumped back on Patheos. Thanks to Keith Giles, uh, got me back on there and helped me contact the people. So uh, check out my blog on pathoscom blogs slash all set free. Oh, yeah, I did talk about this motherfucker. Um, but anyway, just a reminder, go subscribe to my Pathios blog on the Progressive Christian channel. I, I'm not, listen, listen, listen. I'm not even progressive, and I don't even think I'm Christian. <laughs> but I do love irony. So I'm on the Progressive Christian Christian channel on Pathios uh, doing my thing. I've got a great one. I want to read it to you. Uh, I want to read my blog before we get into um, Colin Yosef. It was called The Positives of Purity Culture. Surprise, there are none. <laughs> shortest blog I ever wrote. So go check out that, uh, that, that uh, blog. I've got real blogs on there, real articles. So do that. Anyway, let's give Yosef a call. Hello? Hi, Yosef. It's Matt. Hey, Matt. What's up? Nothing much. How are you? I'm all right. Good. So, uh, yeah. So let me tell the listeners what's going to happen here, because this is a first for me. Um, You and I don't know each other personally, unlike other guests that I've had. But you reached out on Facebook. We are Facebook friends. You reached out on Facebook and you're like, hey, man, uh, pretty much like I've got a crazy story. You want to talk about it? And I was like, hell yeah, let's let's do this.
1: Yep. Yeah. I definitely got a crazy story, man.
0: Yeah, and so one that I, I think I think my listeners will appreciate. So you were at one point in your life, I don't know where you want to start, but you were in some sort of Christian camp, and uh, you, you kind of want to take it from there?
1: Yeah, I was in a program called the Teen Challenge Program, and it's a worldwide program, and uh, originally it was for like troubled teens back in the 50s, and then it just grew up to, uh, you know, it's a little confusing for people when I say I was in Teen Challenge because I was an adult. But um it's it's a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center for Christians, basically.
0: Okay, so it's just it, it it's it's a faith-based um sort of deal?
1: Yeah, faith-based rehab basically.
0: Yeah. It sounds it sounds miserable just just you talk <laughs> just you mentioning it. Is it, it is it as bad as my uh, my inclinations think?
1: Uh they've made a little bit of reforms here and there, but when I was there it was it was absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, and I mean, in what way? Well, it's it's very very author- authoritarian. It's it's just so crazy. Uh, the way that they use the Bible to to justify certain abuses that that I've gone through. Um, so everything's about authority. They do call it leadership, but it's it's all about authority there, and the authority is used basically to uh, to fundraise and to make money. So they basically work horseshoe. And then if they happen to get to helping you with your problem that you came in for, eh, we'll get to it. But for the most part, you're out there in the middle of the road, spanging on the side of the road or in front of stores, no matter what, rain or shine. You could be in a hurricane. They'll just say, go get that money.
0: Well, so so back up. What, what, are they, what are they having you do?
1: Fundraising. They'll have you go oh. out in front of stores and fundraise like with a box. And then you'll stay there for about 8 to 10 hours. And come back, and everybody claps if you get a twenty. So they're not so. (laughs) So drug and alcohol
0: counseling is secondary.
1: Yeah, basically that's how it's turned out to be. Like in the beginning, when the program first started back in the fifties, I don't doubt the founder David Wilkerson was a good man who, who wanted to help people, but that's not the way the program has turned out in recent years.
0: Yeah, do you do you find that? Christian camps of any kind actually are able to accomplish what they claim to set out to to accomplish
1: I think they've intended to but then just the power structure uh you know absolute power corrupts absolutely so you know once once they start getting the money and once they start getting the power then it just becomes about that and then the vision or whatever mission that they had to begin with it just it just doesn't follow through
0: and and in your view, is it like? Because I know, I, I I've studied this and and thought about this for a long time about, um, you know, kind of any sort of authoritarianism kind of backfires. Uh, it, it's it's why like the the thou shalt nots, uh, they're fine, but they don't really accomplish what you want them to do because that's just kind of our human nature yeah. to kind of rebel against any sort of authority.
1: Rules are made for, for breaking and and actually in Judaism they that's what they call the uh, the negative commandments and then there's positive commandments of thou shells. And I right. would prefer to focus on the thou shells. Here's what we do.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard Richard Rohr talk about it. It's almost like um an an analogy for a human life, right? So when you're Young, when you're a toddler, when you're pre-elementary school, you kind of need the thou shalt nots. Like you need to be told don't run out in the street. Right. Um, you need to be told don't mess with that rattlesnake over there. <laughs> <laughs> um But when you start to grow up and become an adult, and this was a teen teen camp, right?
1: Pr- primarily, primarily for that, but I was about I was probably about twenty.
0: And when you get to that age, Thou shalt nots don't really work. I mean, especially as a teenager or early yeah. adult. Like, go fuck yourself. You're not going to tell me what to do.
1: Right? Oh, that's exactly what happened. I was on. I was on discipline every single day of that three years. I beat. Yeah. The, I beat the record consistently. Oh, so uh, did you? Did you get a plaque on the wall? <laughs> uh, no, but everybody knew me as the uh, as the guy who just wouldn't submit. Yeah. Was there anything
0: that helped you in this Christian camp? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming you had a, 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 you know, a substance abuse issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, it did help. uh, You know, at that time, I was just like more of a binger. So I wasn't a daily drunk. And I was there to kind of I had been through AA and stuff. And I knew the routine, did the steps, all that. And so I was like primed for it. But at the same time, when I went in there, I was looking for like a place to live among people. I was basically homeless at that point. So I needed a place to go. And so it helped me get through a few years while my family was going through some shit. And uh, so it did help as far as camaraderie. I have you know, good friends that have been in the program with me. A few of them, unfortunately, died of their addiction. So I know the structure of the program didn't work, but the friendship did. So I separate those two. I The, the structure of the program and the friendship. Those are two different things for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about I don't know. I don't know your personal story with church outside of just our short little five minute conversation here so far, but that's like the one thing my relationship with church or Christianity. It's like the one thing I miss is the friendship. Yeah, and, and you know, some friends come and go, and and it's kind of contingent on you being a Christian. But some, some, it's not that way. And it's it's this. It's like when I critique evangelicalism or anything like that. It's not the people. It's the system. It's yeah. the hierarchy. It's the power over that doesn't seem to work. And I feel like anytime you have any sort of counseling, whether it's drug and alcohol, whether it's marital counseling, whatever, the minute you attach Christian to it,
1: God, I just cringe. It just doesn't seem to work. The, it doesn't seem to mix. It's like oil and water because, I mean, first of all, I don't even think that's what Jesus was talking about. He he was basically inverting the, the whole structure. And, uh, so if people try to use all this stuff, it's, it's, it's even laughable when people say that all the old Testament is done away with, but then they act like it's not that, you know, they'll tell you that, but then in reality, like they'll, they'll go into the old Testament to tell you, here's what we got to do.
0: Yeah. I, I, I kind of bristle a little bit at that. Like, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know if that, that seems too like reductionistic for me, like. I don't think we can just separate Old and New Testament, but that's maybe a a side conversation. Were there any um, actual licensed drug and alcohol counselors at this program?
1: um, In the process of it, you kind of get like um, from, from Christian organizations, you will after like a year, you'll get like a certificate. That'll say, "Hey, I've gone through the program." Once you've gone through the program, they'll put you through another program that says, "Hey, you can you can uh, minister to the next person coming through." And it's and it's not necessarily internal, but it's mostly internal. But they do have people outside the program that are Christian organizations that are uh, Christian esque uh, therapists that kind of sanction that. So, but I, it's nothing like actual professional therapists. It's nothing like real psychology or anything like that. Wow.
0: So there's 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 no LCSWs or MFTs or drug and alcohol counselors no. that are licensed and bonded and insured.
1: No, we might get every now and then someone that does have that background, but not really. Wow. And wh- where is uh, where is this camp? Uh, this, if you're familiar with Boston, it's in Dorchester, um, in in Brockton, but. Uh, they're in every state and in every country, almost. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little familiar. I used to live in East Providence for about a year, a year and a half. Yep. You were telling me. Um. Yeah. Big Red Sox fan. Been up to Fenway a bunch of times. Um. I love Boston. I'm not too familiar with the city just because I've only been there like ten times. Yeah. So they're all over the country doing the Lord's work,
1: huh? Yeah, and you can see them in front of stores. So if you see someone with a blue shirt and a star and you know, they're they're asking for donations, you know, that's that's our TC guys, and um it's it's it can be brutal like in winters over here in New England, you know, or summers, which which get pretty hot too, not probably as much as California, but but the guys in Cali, I'm sure, suffer through that. Through the through the 90 degrees 100 degree weather whatever, however you get it over there
0: yeah so well back up a little bit why did you want to get this message out on even my tiny shitty little show <laughs> um, like is it is it kind of like hey if you're if you're struggling with this avoid these folks is it did some crazy shit happen to you that you need to like get out there and off your chest?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not going to name names or anything like names and times, but I will say my experience there was really a rough one and it left me with some scars. Uh and spiritually speaking left me with some with some trauma. Um that I'm trying to recover with. I'm really glad that I came in contact with uh deconstructionists and and trying to figure some of these things out. Because uh, I thought I was alone, you know, and going through this program for three straight years, uh, it really messed with my head. And while I was in the program, I was in a deep, deep, dark depression. Like, I mean, near suicidal um, because I was just so singled out because I couldn't get what they were saying. Um, I couldn't get with the program, literally speaking. And uh, I I just I was like I had nowhere else to go. I was stuck. Um. I was washing dishes like almost twenty hours a day as a discipline. I was writing; they had had me write out uh, Psalm one nineteen every single night until three in the morning as a discipline, and then get two hours of sleep and then wash more dishes and then go off fundraising. It, it was just it was just so ludicrous with the power struggle with between me and the program that it was it was very abusive and it, I caught on to it very quickly. But I didn't know how to stand up for myself because I didn't have the theology at that point. So I, I couldn't fight back and I couldn't say, hey, the 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 fear-based mentality that they have, hey, if you don't get with the program, you're going to go out and die. That That's what they would tell you. They would literally tell you, if you're going to leave the program, you're just going to die. And then when I was in leadership, what really messed with me is I was trying to help some people. I was the... Um, leadership in in the classroom environment, you know, just trying to teach the guys some Bible, you know. And, uh, you know, if somebody left the program, they would blame me and they would say, oh, so-and-so went out and he got high or he died. And so now it's your fault because you let him go or you told him to go. Because I was just trying to tell people, hey, if you want to go home, go home. You don't have to stay here. Go home. And then if they did go home and they got high and they died, I would feel the guilt. And that yeah. guilt was placed on me and spiritually, I thought I was going to hell at that point.
0: So it sounds to me like um, like the old adage, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say that initially intentions may have been good, yep. but the way in, the way in which they... Did things the way in which they ran their facility because it was so fear based that it it actually had the opposite effect on what they were trying to accomplish, which is actual restoration, actual healing, actual, you know, actual like clinical uh, help that a, a licensed place may do.
1: Yeah. Focused on, the, uh, focused on the addiction and recovery and the therapy and whatever it is, you know, what they do is like they'll just they'll cover it up with spirituality. They'll say, you know, do do this and you'll be fine. You know, go to the next church. Like what they do is every weekend we'll go to a church and we'll tell our testimonies. Teen Challenge helped me so much. I got over. I'm so victorious. There's no room for, hey, I'm struggling. You know, and they will mm. pray for you. I mean, we got we got up in the morning every every morning at five. We prayed for each other. We did that, but the kind of prayers it was like, yeah, I just need the victory. You know, I I, I don't I can I don't have any room for to tell you, hey, I'm struggling here. I'm going through something here. It's you gotta you gotta keep moving. You gotta keep pressing on. You gotta submit to the authorities, and all of that type of stuff. Isn't
0: that is that that's just a problem throughout the church in general too? Yeah. Is that it's all about you. There's no room for vulnerability and being like, "Yo, I am skeptical right now. I'm struggling. I'm seriously depressed." Um, it just seems like everything's got to kind of be a little bit of bit, a little bit whitewashed.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and it h- ends up coming out though because. You know, the, it, it always does. Yeah, I see. I saw the leaders all the time. And what happened was when I was put into leadership, I saw on the other end how much pressure that they had to perform. They had to just, you know, because I was so critical coming in. And and then, you know, I had guys under me when by the time I was done with it. And then I realized this how much pressure from the leadership on top of them. It's just leadership on top of leadership. And then it's coming. The shit's coming from from top down. And then the, the the top leadership is probably hiding some major secret and then it comes out. You know, if someone's having an affair or somebody's watching porn or something, you know, whatever it is, it comes ends up coming out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that a thousand times, haven't we? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. All in the news. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Going, going back to as far as you can remember. Um, have you... Uh, it sounds to me and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me... Like you have a great foundation to be a writer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I could tell this story. I could write it. I can engrave it. I can send it out. And this is just, I want people to know. And the thing, I'm not discouraging people from going into the program. What I'm doing is I want to warn people to have the right expectations, to not put your trust in the program, not put your trust in the system, not put your trust in the authority. Uh, If you want or need a place to go to get sober, then it, it and no other program no other licensed program is working for you then go do teen challenge stay there for about a year uh see if it works for you if you're having a difficult time with it you can leave you don't it, it don't you don't have to make it into a cult because if you think that you're going to die if you leave you're going to make it into a cult and it's not going to be uh you're not going to get what you, what you went in for
0: yeah i think um I think having your own authority is always a good a
1: good idea. Your own personal your your personal relationship, I mean it's it's not yeah. you're not getting it from anybody else.
0: Right. Right. Do you, do you plan
1: on telling this story more? Yeah, I definitely plan I mean cuz I want to reach people particularly who have either have been in the program or are considering going in the program or or um have people who have family who are uh in the program.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I would encourage any any listener who has struggles in this or um, who know people who struggle with addiction, um, you know, to reach out and talk to you. Uh, are you, You're on socials, obviously, you're on Facebook. Yep. Um, is there any way to, for people to connect with you if they want?
1: Yeah, there's both uh, my and I plan to do similar things like this on my YouTube channel, uh, Joseph Eggs, like eggs with an A, A-G-G-S. Uh, I also have uh Facebook, which I, which I use in, uh, I'm in heretic, uh, uh, after hours, uh, heretics after hours, um, heresy after hours, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. so you can reach me out there. Um, Yosef Shum, S H U M. Um, so yeah, give me a friend and, and we'll talk. If you're going through some stuff, I'll, I'll listen. I can, I can be a good listener when I teach myself to shut up. <laughs>
0: Well all good man um I will definitely for for those who didn't get all that I will link in the show notes um to make sure that you all can connect and I would encourage you man like start a blog i know I know blogs are kind of like two thousand and four, but um <laughs> uh you got your youtube channel but you know um i as a writer myself it just sounds like this could be a good story if you want to ever write a book.
1: Yeah, that's it. in it's, it's experience. So uh, I know what yeah. I'm writing about.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming
0: on. And uh, yeah, I just, again, encourage any listeners to get a hold of you. Link I'm going to link in the show notes for y'all. So do that.
1: All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, man. All right. Have a good one.
0: All right. So that was the interview. Thank you, Joseph, for coming on. Again, uh, everyone check out show notes, follow him on YouTube and, um, yeah, look out for him. If you're in the Heresy After Hours Facebook group, which is, uh, what we started on the Heretic Happy Hour for, for people to, um, you know, have community, check him out in there and, um, look forward to talking to him some more and looking forward to, uh, having other guests who might not be personal friends of mine or people that I've gotten to know over the years. If you're listening to this and you got something you want to say, you never know. I might just let you on here. You never know on my shitty little podcast. So hit me up. There's a message button on uh, on Anchor.fm if you're listening on there. If you're not, follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, and send me a message. And I will be sure to get back to you. And I've been thinking of starting a TikTok. But I don't know about that. That's what the kids are using these days. And I'm thirty-eight, so I'm I'm getting to be an old man. So is it weird if an old man jumps on TikTok? I don't know. But oh excuse me, I just burped. It's really unprofessional, Matthew. Pull your shit together. Uh so I don't know, we'll see. We'll see if I join join the TikTok generation. Maybe do some dance challenges. <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty fun. Or either TikTok or OnlyFans. I've, I've been told to go into OnlyFans, but I think people are just trying to punk my ass. I'm not going to fall for it. Anyway, you know what uh, Yosef's uh, uh, interview reminded me of is uh, just Christian anything in general is is repulsive to me. And what I mean is that like when you attach the label Christian to something, so you're a Christian artist, you're a Christian musician, you're a Christian band, you do Christian counseling, you do Christian premarital counseling, save it, fuck off. (laughs) I don't care if you're a Christian. I Some days I'm still a Christian boy. Some days I might not be. I don't know. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, but just leave the Christian label out of it. It seems to taint the whole thing. Like, it just—it pigeonholes you. It turns art into kitsch. I saw it so much as a worship um, member, leader, on multiple teams, over multiple years, towards a decade of my life, was spent in that world, and... We all are pretty good players, most of us. Sometimes you get people on worship teams that are just not good players, not good singers. They don't understand music that well. They just want to volunteer. They feel obligated to volunteer for their church, so why not shake a tambourine or some shit? Or stick you up there and, and shake a shaker and teach you one harmony? <laughs> but you could volunteer your time. Fine. That's all That's all fine. But it's just... um. We had some good players, but we and we tried to make the music cool, but it just, it's it wasn't. It was so contrived. It was so uh, cliche, and I, I I don't know. And it it gets worse when you when you talk about Christian counseling, that to me is one of my biggest pet peeves. I talked about it recently with Brenda Marie Davies on the <clears throat> on the God Is Gray YouTube channel. Which I, I think my interview with her will be out in the next couple months. She's booked up and and backlogged like we are on the Heretic Happy Hour. But I understand. But something we got into, which is a big pet peeve of mine, is um, premarital counseling. And uh, my wife and I had premarital counseling because when we got married, we were in the evangelical world. It was our duty and 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 our um, you know responsibility to meet with a pastor, six or so months maybe before the wedding, and go through a booklet, answer some questions, talk to him, get his sage advice. <laughs> what a fucking joke that was. I don't remember the ins and outs, but I just remember even then thinking like, this is not helpful. And now I've done social work for a long time. So it's, it's kind of, I'm kind of sensitive to this whole thing. Like, You're not a fucking counselor. You don't have an LCSW. You don't have an uh, MFT. You're not a a, a sex therapist, a marriage therapist. You're a fucking pastor who may have went to Bible college. I don't even think this guy did, but possibly. You didn't even go to seminary. And you're counseling 20, 21-year-olds. And then... 28 year olds when their marriages are fucking on the rocks and in in what capacity do you, do you can you do that what licensing do you have what authority do you have other than god's authority no you know, take your god's authority and go fuck off cuz you're not a counselor this is a very in-depth training that counselors get at reputable colleges and universities and practice and practice with actual other licensed therapists before they can practice. And so it just, it, time again, anytime you add Christian to something, I think you taint it. It's like you have to force this message regardless of the circumstances, you know? For music, we had to make sure we played this kind of song before the tithes and offerings. We had to play this kind of song to get people up out of their seats. You know, during the prayer time, we had to play a chilled out song. At the end, you know, depending on the message, we'd have to, you know, if it was like an uplifting, rah-rah Jesus theme, you know, you play something with a little bit of pace. <laughs> if it was, uh, you know, we're going to convict you and and we're going to get things right in your heart, maybe we end the sermon uh, with a little bit of a chill tune, and then we send people out the door giving more money on the way out. It's just so so contrived, and it's just so repulsive to me. And so listening to Yosef talk about, you know, drug and alcohol counseling, you know, at a Christian camp, it's like this isn't drug and alcohol counseling that would be considered such in any sort of capacity except you get into the Christian world and then they want to say oh it's our right or it's you know it's our freedom to do so and you don't you can't religious dis- religious discrimination we can't it's like jesus it's like it's like we're hiding our ignorance behind our faith and then giving out bad advice all in the name of religious freedom it's 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 appalling it's appalling y'all that just it just reminded me when we were having that conversation of of <laughs> why i hate all things Christian attached to something just be an artist I was listening to um, Rob Bell and Pete Holmes on you made it weird with Pete Holmes his podcast and he uh, Pete was talking to Rob and Rob's advice to a um, you know an aspiring stand-up comedia, uh, com- comedian sorry I, I got the mush mouth this morning uh, his advice was don't be a Christian comedian just be a comedian just, you can be a Christian and you can be a comedian, but don't be a Christian comedian. Tell jokes that are funny. Don't try to tell tell Christian jokes. If you're a musician, play mu- be a, be a Christian and be a musician, but play music for the sake of music. Don't have to be a Christian musician. You could be, some of the most worshipful music is non-Christian technically. Bob Dylan. That is like the most prophetic stuff. What is, what is more Christian than prophetic? I don't know. That to me that seems the most Christian. But you don't it's, you don't have to ha- attach the label Christian to it. And that's why we, again when people ask me, Matt, what are you? Are you even a Christian these days? I don't even think about it. It's secondary, tertiary for Eerie. (laughs) It's, It's down the line a bit. I'm just trying to be a human, a decent human being. And just like, put aside the labels for a second. It's not that important to me. I'll talk Christian theology all day. I'll talk philosophy. I'll talk history of Christian thought all day. I'll still write books that are infused with that type of thinking all day long. However, I just don't sit around thinking that, oh, I need this label, I need this label today that's helping me in my practical day-to-day, in my walk of life. Do these labels help us in in our practicality? No. I'm to the place now where if it's not helpful in the here and now, it's not something I really need to be worried about. All we have is right now. Think about it. When has it ever not been now? So even if you're thinking about the future, even if you're reminiscing on the past, you're still you could still be present with it. It's still now. So Christian is not important to me because it's simply just it's a it's an other. It's 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 um it's derivative. It's it's not it's not like real concrete reality. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. If you've read Alan Watts or Richard Rohr, it probably makes sense. So if you haven't, go read that. (laughs) Go read those authors. They talk about this kind of stuff a lot. To have to attach Christian to it, I think, is being way dualistic. And to be unified and non-dualistic, I would say it's okay to be Christian. It's okay to use our labels. We need our labels and our markers and our pointers but you're not you're not those things and so again it's derivative it's it's secondary it's tertiary but when it comes to art when it comes to anything like that when it comes to actual counseling like drop the label christian drop it drop it like it's hot drop it like it's hot to quote the um the theologian Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dio Dizzle. So, again, thank you, Yosef, for um, inspiring me ranting about (laughs) about all things Christian. All things Christian. I I had nothing else to talk about today, and I was just wondering what I would, and then I was listening back and doing some editing on the interview, and I was like, oh, shit, I definitely want to talk about that. I also, to shift gears a little bit, and I mentioned it in the opening, What is happening with with our man, Rudy? (laughs) This has been the most bizarre. How, how, How many months are we into this thing? 11 months? 10 months? It's been the most bizarre year. And I know that's cliche saying it at this point. But it's just getting weirder and weirder. But before we get into that, at least we got some good news on the vaccine front. Moderna and Pfizer both have vaccines that they are, uh, seeing really positive results from 94.5% efficacy, 90% efficacy, which means get the fucking vaccine people. Let's be done with COVID. It looks like we can be pretty much wrapping COVID up, uh, fairly soon, at least, at least making a turn for the better, right? If we all get the fucking vaccine. So that's some good news on, on, on that front. The weird news is that it seems like Trump is hell-bent on subverting the democratic process. He just can't accept an L. And he can play the I was robbed game till he's blue in the face. But that's like, that's like bitch moaning and complaining about the refs every time you lose. And sure, some refs get it wrong sometimes. But this man just has to have a fucking excuse for any time you take an L. And he won't take an L. It's the ref. It's the electorate. It's the Democrats. It's the rigged election. And it always comes back to this for me, for conspiracies. How many motherfuckers are in on it? And if you have states, state legislatures, Rudy was going on about fucking Venezuela. Uh, Madura, um, He is in China. Companies making machines. I mean, how many thousands of motherfuckers are in on this rigged election? Everyone's in on it, right? And that's where I have to, it's like Occam's razor. You know, the the most simplest explanation is probably right. And here it is. You fucking lost, bro. That's it. You lost. You won last time. It got flipped on you this time because you're a fucking asshole. That's it. You're you're an asshole, and, and and enough people decided that they don't want an asshole in charge any longer. I I mean I I don't know. There's a lot of people who do want him in charge. Seventy some odd million, right? Is that what the I haven't checked the numbers recently. He was bragging about he got the most votes by an uh, an incumbent president ever and i'm like yeah but that's like bragging about having the highest score ever but you lost 50 to 45 in an nfl game okay you scored 45 points great but you fucking gave up 50 <laughs> you fucking still lost <laughs> so it's a weird thing to bra- it's a weird flex but th- this is it we're at this point now in time where i mean he's trying to he i think he's a, he's acknowledging internally that he's not going to win the, the lawsuit challenges in the way that they're going now. So now he's calling up legislatures and people who are supposed to confirm the election, and I guess strong-arming them or, or doing something, How whatever the conversation is like, I don't know, I'm not on the other line, but getting people to not confirm the results in uh, Michigan at this point, so he's, you know, he's taking the fascist dictator route and people are apparently okay with it. Some people are still okay with it. A lot of Republicans aren't. I saw a tweet by Mitt Romney and said it was like the most um, the worst thing you could do as a sitting president. I'm no fan of Romney and his policies, but spot on, mate. But you've got people like Rudy who, you know, would rather get up in front of everyone sweat black shit out of his head in the name of defending Trump then just accept the facts that you, you you fucking lost you're not as great and tremendous as you think you are you're not invincible you're not the best at everything you think you are so bravo for your um your confidence <laughs> i wish i had that confidence but I'm guessing it's making up for something. But that's a different conversation. But you you just fucking lost. You got to take the L. You got to take the L and move on. Because you're at this point, I mean, I'm still a little worried that he might pull it off. Just because I'm a pessimist. But at this point, you're just embarrassing yourselves. Like I can only imagine. Right now I'm recording on Friday. Saturday Night Live will come out in between recording this and releasing this. I'm guessing, and we'll see if I'm right, that there will be uh, uh, obviously a mockery of Rudy Giuliani. And it's going to look like that airplane scene where the dude's just sweating profusely. And it's like buckets down his face. And he's trying to wipe it off while he lands the plane. And there's just going to be black like fucking tar just sweating from Rudy Giuliani on the SNL interpretation of it. I mean... The writers are brilliant on Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. And maybe it even makes it harder for them, but it's like this sketch was was written for him by Giuliani. I mean, if you, if you didn't see that press conference, you need to go see it. I mean, the man is like, how hot? Do they not have an air conditioning unit in the basement where he was at? Was the thermostat set to like 94? Does it even go that high? Why was this man sweating so much? Jesus Christ and he got the he, he his hair he's got he's got the George Costanza plan <laughs> like what is happening spray shit on and have it like he he sprayed it on 2 minutes before the interview or the press conference like what is going on this is a, this is a satire this is better than satire real life is ending up stranger than fiction like, if you wrote this script, people would be like, if, if I was a publisher, and you're like, hey, I, I, I got this um, this political book that I'm writing, and it's a comedy, I would, if I got the manuscript, I would be like, okay, it, this isn't, be- like, believable enough, right? It's not, <laughs> it's, it's like too over the top. It, are, are people going to resonate, are people going to be able to relate to it at all? But it's fucking real life now. (laughs) It's like so over the top that it's a B-script, it's a B-script movie. You're just like, no, Sharknado? I mean, it's funny for a second, but it's not, Snakes on a Plane? Like, it's okay. There's some funny one-liners, but it's not, it's not like a, a, it's not going to have a lot of longevity, is what I'm saying. (laughs) But, but here we are. It's fucking real and it's stranger than fiction and it is if it wasn't real life i guess it'd be hilarious maybe but i don't know like some shit is funny this rudy this rudy thing was funny i kind of felt bad for him just to watch like someone unravel so much and literally melt in front of us i mean it's kind of it's kind of hard to watch a little bit but it's still also kind of funny you can't help but laugh it's like all of 2020 like It's a mix, you have mixed feelings. Like you laugh at the absurdity of it sometimes, but I think only so that you don't have a constant panic attack and constant neurotic anxiety. So you have to have the funny memes about like, you know, your 2020 bingo card. Oh, I didn't see that one coming. You know, you have to have this, these sort of comedic outlets. Otherwise you will go mad. (laughs) So I, this is one of them. In the midst of, what is it? Two thousand people dying of COVID a day, the fact that a fascist dictator is trying to undermine democracy. You know, uh, the fact that we're currently, at, at least in the, at this point, not in the the Paris Climate uh, Accord, and and you know, half of half of the world doesn't seem to give a shit about climate change. In the midst of all this, you gotta find you gotta find some humor, you gotta find some comedy. That's why I, I always say, like, we, we need to understand, and maybe this is what I'll talk about next time. I'll, I'll preview next week's episode. No, actually, I oh, two weeks from now. Next week, I promise to talk to Brandon Dragan, my friend who wrote a book out on Choir Now. Uh, we're going to talk about that. It's called The Wages of Grace. But the week after, I think what I want to talk about is how comedy can be used for healing. So I came across this um, Facebook post in a group. Someone was joking around about um, some sort of toxicity and and things that could trigger people. And they're like, this is not funny. And joking about trauma is never funny. And I, I thought, well, actually, those who have faced trauma, a part of how they get through it is through comedy. If you listen to the stories of so many comedians, many of them have faced trauma and abuse, and they used comedy as an outlet to heal from that, and then it helps others do the same. So I think that's what I want to talk about because that's a big one. I, I think we're we're too you don't want to be too insensitive, but in the right place and time, comedy can be a balm, right? So that's what I want to talk about in two weeks. But again. Can't wait to talk to Brandon Dragon, author of The Wages of Grace. We featured him on Football Fridays. He is an Arsenal fan. I'll try not to talk football with him. With the way Arsenal's going, he may not want to talk football. So that's the good thing. We don't have to hear him blab on about how great his team is. Because they're not. They're shit. <laughs> but we'll talk about how great his book is. And your boy Matt was featured for the first time on the back cover endorsing the book. It's fantastic. It's long, but well worth it, and it'll keep you engaged. So it's his debut novel. He's had some short stories. I've read one of them. It was heartbreaking and heart wrenching, and I hate him for writing it, but I loved the book. <laughs> you would just have to read it. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have him on. We're gonna. I'm gonna let him talk about all his his uh, his work from the horse's mouth. You know. So can't wait to do that. I hope you all have a great week. As always, do one kind thing for someone that you don't know. Social distance with mask on, of course. But go do something kind for someone this week and we will incrementally change the world, right? Um, If that one thing, if you want to do one thing nice for me, uh, sign up on Patreon, bitches. Patreon.com slash MJDistefano. If you don't want to give, just at least go to Apple Podcasts, and rate and review this show. If you don't want to do that, rate and review The Heretic Happy Hour. If you don't want to do that, pick up one of my many books. Subscribe to my blog on Patheos. I've got so many different things going. I would love if every single one of you at least did one thing for me. That would be great because I'm trying to do things for you like sit in front of this mic and bullshit, and hopefully you like it. (laughs) And if not, you can fuck off and tell me to fuck off. And then go about our days, right? Anyway, peace and love. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. And um, let's start a campaign for Rudy Giuliani. You know, like maybe uh, invest in some some towels to wipe him down. (laughs) All right, talk to you later.